Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. To obtain a typed outline of today's message, you can go to the show notes or details page of your podcast platform. You know, being in the presence of God is unlike any other place. It is safe and secure. Sure, it takes some time and effort to get there, but it's worth it. It is accessible, and it's a blessing to have. God's presence is truly special and something to enjoy. And now, here's Tom Claiborne with a knife message in a series in the Psalms called Praise and Peace in a Broken World. All right, like I've done on, on several of the messages in this series, I've got um, Ward Patterson's uh, little book called Out of His Heart. It's a three-book series, as I said, that kind of paraphrases um, the, the Psalms and uh, puts it in kind of a, in more of, of our language uh, today. It kind of rephrases some of the things, the prayer. And I want to do that again today, Psalm 84 uh, again, you can close your eyes, you can open your eyes, whatever you feel comfortable doing, but uh, we will pray along with Lord Patterson uh, the words of Psalm 84 from 3,000 years ago. I've spent a lot of my life trying to know, to know facts, to know people, to know mysteries, to know myself. But my ultimate goal is to know you, O Lord Most High. I dwell in a world you've made. I am surrounded by your presence. I am refreshed by your blessings. I live because of your love. I want to be near you, to know your warmth, to know your approval, to live in the light of your glory. As a sparrow seeks shelter in a shallow a nest, I seek peace, refuge, and comfort in you, my Lord, my King, my God. I can never be at home if you are not my dwelling place. You are the source of every good thing. I will praise you night and day. I'm happy when I trust you. I'm strong when I allow you to exercise your strength in my life. I'm fulfilled when I commit my path to your ways. You send rain on my deserts and fill my empty cisterns with overflowing refreshment. You help me go stronger day by day. You do not laugh at my weakness. Rather, you allow me to worship you and be strengthened. Oh God, you're my prayer hearer my life giver, my petition grantor, my suffering sharer, and my joy bestower. I'm covered with your shield and protected by your care. I'd rather live one day with your approval than a thousand separated from you. I'd rather be a servant with you than a ruler apart from you. You are my son, bringing light to walk by and warmth 
to grow in. Your gifts to me are grace and glory and all things good. When I trust in you, I'm abundantly happy. O Lord of heaven, you've turned my tears into streams of blessing and pools of refreshment. O defender and shield, I'd rather be a doorman in your temple than a prince in the palace of wickedness. Help me to yearn for you, to dwell with you, to commune with you, to serve you, to walk in your ways, to follow your leading, and to trust in your provision. I thank you for your wonderful blessings. If you're not already there, turn to Psalm 84. Also encourage you to get your sermon notes page out as well. There's an old song written 120 years ago that reminds us of something very, very important. Here's how each of the three stanzas begins. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God. And I like the last one. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. Is it not amazing and life-changing that you and I are permitted and even invited into the very presence of the great Creator of the universe. There's another song written possibly 3,000 years ago that celebrates that same wonderful truth, and we know it as Psalm 84. It was written by one or more of these sons of Korah who were temple servants. They were not high priests, they were simply helpers. And this particular Levite loved serving and worshiping at the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. But as he writes this song in Psalm 84, he is apparently far away from the temple geographically, and he's not happy about it. <laughs> but please note, it is not really the amazing architecture of the temple that he was missing. He was yearning to be back in the presence of God. God's presence, where there is quiet rest and comfort sweet and full release. And that's where God invites you and me to be as well. On your outline, you'll see four main points, and these basically describe the four things that the presence of God offers to us. We have these four things when we are in His presence. And the first is this, we have, when we're in the presence of God, a secure haven. In other words, a sheltered, safe place, a refuge. Now, on each of your main points, you're going to notice, too, that we're going to make a statement about uh, something that the presence of God offers, but then we're going to say a statement about God, and here it is. God is the safe place. God is that safe place. Read with me the first four verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, 
for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow has found a home, and a, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. To that ancient Levite, the secure haven with God was, first of all, point A, a place greatly desired. Look again at verse 2. It says, my soul yearns, this is our memory verse, our soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This Levite is absolutely passionate about being in the presence of God again. Every fiber of his being, his soul, his heart, his flesh, yearned for God. He might have, have even been one of, or the, he might have been one of the sons of Korah who wrote the better known psalm, Psalm 42. And a lot of you are familiar with these, and it's also by the sons of Korah. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Years ago, a lady was walking down the street and noticed a little girl leaving a church building uh, by herself. And when the child passed her, she asked her where she had been. And the girl points at the church building and says, in there. And she goes, what were you doing in there? And she goes, I was praying. And then the lady, thinking the kid was bothered by something, says, what were you praying for, dear? And the little girl simply says, nothing. I was just loving Jesus. I was just loving Jesus. You know, I think that young girl understood the passionate longing of the sons of Korah, and she grasped what worship really is. Verse 3 is interesting because he names two birds. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. He's envious of the birds who could simply fly into the temple as they wished and just be there. He's homesick for the temple that they could go into, but for some reason he could not at that moment. And no, as I said, it was not the glamorous physical structure that he missed. But in that building was where he had met God. And that's why he wanted to be in that building, because that's where he met with God. I'm going to put a picture up here. You've seen this before, probably through the years, two or three times. Uh, that is known as the chapel of the Hillsborough Church of Christ. And, I, you know, ordinary building, it's nice, it's, you know, attractive or whatever, but it's very ordinary. But that room, that building, has a very, very special place in my life and heart. Because it was there that God worked in my heart and in my life. There I heard some of my first Bible lessons. There in 1968, in that very room, I was baptized into Christ. There I gave my first public devotion. There I gave my first sermon. And there on, in 1980, I was ordained into the ministry, all in that room. You see, that room means a lot to me. It's very ordinary. But that room means a lot to me because God touched and shaped my life in that room. So it will always be special to me. 
You see, the temple was the same for that Levite who wrote Psalm 84. So to him, that was a place greatly desired by him. God's presence also offers us something else. God's presence also offers us a peace <laughs> greatly desired. Now there is significance in the birds that the son of Korah mentions in verse 3. A sparrow and a swallow. A sparrow at that time in history was uh, generally used, uh, referred to as a symbol of insignificance. When you thought of a sparrow, you thought of a rather insignificant bird. And yet those insignificant birds could fly right into the temple, into the presence of God. Interesting statement Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 10 about sparrows. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? <laughs> yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. So the point is, in combining both those biblical ideas, so if sparrows can fly right into the temple, so you and I, who are worth far more than sparrows, can go right into the presence of the Lord God. Jaron Jackson, a preacher friend of mine, wrote something, I put this on our Facebook page, and I think also in, in an email a week or two ago. Listen to what he says. He says, God welcomes you every time you turn to him. When you turn to him in prayer, when you turn to him in repentance, when you turn to him in worship, when you turn to him with questions, when you turn to him for help, when you turn to him in pain, when you turn to him for forgiveness, when you turn to him with joy. He says, every time. Even if you or I feel insignificant every time he also mentions in this verse swallows they were kind of used as a symbol of restlessness they were always flying from place to place and would generally only settle down to have their young and they found such a haven to have have their young at the temple it says and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. See, the message for us is this, and this is important for us busy, busy, overcommitted, and proudly overcommitted sometimes Americans. We can quit running and flying in every direction trying to find peace or significance. God says, come near me. Come to the safe place. Quit trying every place else first. You see, God intends for prayer and church to be safe places for us. A security from a harsh world. A place of worship and support and love and acceptance and encouragement. A place of peace. To paraphrase Augustine from centuries ago, God made us for himself and our heart is restless until it rests in him. In other words, we can search and we can buy and we can overcommit ourselves on and on and on and it's never going to do the trick, even though Americans keep trying. But it's only when we find the safe haven. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, they're ever praising you. So I ask you, are you resting in God's presence 
He is the safe place. But the presence of God also, secondly, is a great journey. And here's the statement about God. God is worth the journey. Worship and the Christian life, I do not have to tell you, are a journey. A very interesting journey. Look at verses 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. He seems to be alluding to the pilgrimages that the Israelites would make to Jerusalem for the annual festivals. And there were two aspects of the journey I think we need, we need to take note of. Point A, this was an effort to be with God. That's why they were going. It was an effort to be with God. There was a sense of anticipation and excitement as the journey got closer to the destination. You can relate to that. If you've been on a trip uh, someplace, to, someplace really cool you've always wanted to go to or to see your loved ones or something like that, as you get closer and closer, you get more excited and the anticipation builds. So one of the keys, I think, to a long trip is to focus on the destination and not to get too caught up in the discomforts or arguments or potty stops along the way. <laughs> Verse 7 says, till he appears, or till each appears before God. Till each appears before God. That's the destination. And that should be our primary goal and focus when we pray and when we gather here. This is all about an effort to be with God. But there's also, point B, about this journey we're on, and this is so important in a very broken world. There is strength through the valleys. Did you notice what it says there? Notice the word strength on each side of the word valley. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The Valley of Baca, if you've ever tried to study this, is not a place you can turn in a Bible atlas and find. The Valley of Baca was not necessarily a specific location. It simply meant the Valley of Weeping. In other words, God's saying when you go through the low times of life, the valleys of life where you're devastated, where you're sad, where you're discouraged, where you're grieving, I'll give you my strength. So this valley of Baca phrase, valley of weeping, is symbolic of all the problems and all the obstacles that they endured going to worship in Jerusalem. And the point is that God gives us strength for our journey in the valleys of sorrow and in every other valley of life. You know, God has a way of bringing blessings out of hardships and refreshment in the dry times and strength in the hard times, and joy in the heavy times. But even the times when our journey doesn't offer much refreshment or joy, we can look forward and appreciate even more our destination. Three and a half years ago, when our daughter Anya had been living in France for about 19 months, uh, I was the first family member that got to go visit her. And as we began setting up the, the arrangements for the trip, uh, she lived uh, two hours by very fast train uh, uh, from, from Paris, but I would fly into Paris. So the plan was that I'd fly into Paris, and she would come up there and meet me. 
but my uh, son-in-law, Will, who I dearly love, um, got the bright idea that to help Anya out, he would have me fly into Paris. He would have Anya go uh, on the train from her city to downtown Paris so she wouldn't have to navigate her way around Paris since she had never been there. Because he said, your dad's been everywhere. He can figure it out, you know. <laughs> so it made my trip more interesting than hers, you know. So you got an overnight uh, trip to Europe, which is always exhausting. And then when you arrive in Europe, you're usually there. It's morning, and you got a whole day to live again. So I had that going on. And uh, then, of course, I landed, and, and I had to figure out language stuff to change money and then to go buy train tickets to get from the uh, airport uh, across to the train station where she was going to meet me. And, uh, you know, so all this stuff's going on and, and, and figuring out um, what to do next. And, and once I got things going, uh, I could not call her because I could not, on my American phone, figure out how to get on Internet service, which would allow me to text her on WhatsApp, so I could not communicate with her. All I knew was she was going to be at the Gare Lyon train station in downtown Paris, and uh, then I would go there, and, um, and I would try to find her in a particular food court that was supposed to be there. So... <laughs> So anyway, after a long, uh, miserable uh, train ride that seemed like it was going like five miles an hour down to the city, um, and to give you an idea, I, I think I landed at 8, and I found her at 10.30, so we're talking about a little bit of time here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I finally went into what I thought was the food court area and what I thought was the right train station, and there's all these people, and I don't see Anya anywhere, and I couldn't decide if I should stand up on a table and scream her name or do what, uh, because she was nowhere to be seen. Uh, finally, I saw a little office cubicle, and I thought, okay, I'll go in there. So I went in there. I, can I use your phone? So I uh, look up her number. I call the, of course, she doesn't recognize that number, so she doesn't answer the phone. Uh, so I leave a message. <laughs> I leave a message, which she apparently got, because literally I hung up the phone. I thanked the lady. I walk out of this little cubicle room, take two steps out, and there's Anya, and find out that she has been within 30 feet of where I was making that phone call the whole time. I probably walked around past her or whatever. We just didn't see each other. I don't know what the problem was. But the point is, despite all the hassles, all the frustration, all the journey to try to get there to see her, once I was back in the presence of the one I had come to see, all the struggles and frustrations of the journey just melted away. You know, someday, friends, our journey in this broken, sin-filled world is going to end. And if we are a faithful child of God, His presence is going to melt away all the struggles and all the frustrations of this journey that we thought were so horrendous. <laughs> Fascinating passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And notice what it calls our suffering in this life. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And in the same way that when I hugged my daughter after not seeing her for 19 months and we laughed and we cried and we smiled and all the pain of the journey disappeared. Someday, because of the amazing grace of God and our relationship with Jesus, we will be able to go into the presence of God and forget all the valleys of Baca in this life and enjoy the awesome presence of God forever. <laughs> 
Hebrews 12 gives us an amazing picture. Not a familiar picture of describing heaven, but listen to this. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In other words... This journey is worth it. This journey is worth it. And God is worth the journey. His presence and strength here and eternity with Him there. Someone asks, where are you headed in life? Are you walking with God as you go? All right, let's review. The presence of God is, first of all, a secure haven. Secondly, it's a great journey. And thirdly, the presence of God is a wonderful privilege. And here's the statement about God. God can be approached anywhere. Look at verses 8 through 10. He prays, Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Some of you know this verse, verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than lit, dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now in verses 5 through 7, we were with a group of pilgrims traveling together. But in verse 8, the son of Korah is seemingly alone. But not really. And what we see here is we have a privilege to pray. We have the privilege to pray. Verse 8, he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. God does listen, you know. God does listen to us. The son of Korah was not yet at the temple, but I want you to notice he's already talking to God even though he wasn't at the temple. Don't miss that. We do not have to go to a particular building or place to be able to talk with God. God is not confined to a shrine or a box. I remember as a 17-year-old in Kyoto, Japan with my mom, we went to visit my brother who was stationed in the Marines there. And I remember visiting a Buddhist shrine, and I remember thinking, why would anyone worship a God who is confined to a box or a building. You see, through Christ, our mediator, we can go to God absolutely anywhere. And through prayer, we, can, we connect with the greatest power in all the universe. My friend Victor Knowles wrote this about prayer. He says, when I pray, my burdens are lifted. God hears my spiritual heartbeat. Angels stoop to listen. The Holy Spirit sorts out my confusion. The presence of Christ becomes real. Providence is set in motion. Lives are touched all over the world. History is changed. Satan is de defeated. And my faith is strengthened. All because we pray. The privilege to pray. But also there's another privilege, and that's the privilege to serve you notice verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And notice this part, I, will, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. 
The sons of Korah, as I said, were temple servants. And some of them apparently were merely doorkeepers, basically a guard. But every role in God's service is absolutely important. Question. Why do you come to church? Another question. Have you ever been scared in church? <laughs> Read about a man who had heard about a, a snake handling church up in the mountains near him, so he finally decided he'd go and check it out. He thought that sounded interesting. But as the meeting went on that evening, and they began to pass a big rattlesnake literally from seat to seat through the audience, and he was sitting toward the back, and it kept getting closer and closer to him, and he starts panicking more. He starts looking for a back exit uh, because it's coming this way, and the only entrance, the door is up front. He, and uh, he asked a guy sitting next to him from the church, he goes, where's the back door? The man responded, we ain't got one. Visitor replied, where would you like to have one? <laughs> he was going to get out one way or the other. Well, maybe you felt like running out of church before for one reason or another. Because you got scared or because you didn't find what you were looking for. But friends, we don't come to church for a show. We do not come to church to critique others or to critique things that happen. We don't come to church so God can serve us and bless us. Hello. <laughs> we come to church to praise and honor and serve God, to report for duty. And this son of Korah is saying, you know what, I appreciate the privilege of prayer and the privilege of serving and I would rather spend just one day serving God than spend a thousand days anywhere else. So I ask you, are you enjoying the presence of God? The presence of God, let's review again, is a secure haven. It's a great journey. It's a wonderful privilege. And finally, the presence of God is a special blessing. Here's the statement about God. God shines on his people. Now, folks, in an increasingly dark world, a dark society where secularism and paganism is, is reigning supreme, it's nice to know that God shines on his people. Verse 11 and 12 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So there's a blessing, a special blessing. And there's a blessing for those specifically who trust God. This is a mega theme all through the Bible, starting in Genesis. A blessing for those who trust God. Verse 12, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God bestows favor, honor, and blessing on those who trust him. Bible school teacher asked her young students one day, who will get the biggest crown in heaven? <laughs> one boy says, the one with the biggest head. <laughs> and I guess there's some truth to that. <laughs> no, actually God says in verse 12, he's going to honor the person who humbly trusts him. The one who trusts him amidst loneliness the one who trusts him amidst relationship issues, the one who trusts him in weakness, 
The one who trusts Him when fearful. The one who trusts Him regarding salvation. The one who trusts Him to provide. And the one who trusts Him amidst a pandemic. My friends, trust is trust. Across the board, in every aspect of life, either we trust Him completely or we do not trust Him at all. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. There's a blessing for those who trust God. But there's also a blessing for those, more importantly, who walk with God. See, this naturally follows the first. If we really trust in God, we will walk with God. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. In other words, when we need light, he's a sun for us. When we need protection, he's a shield for us. God's whatever we need. Notice the last part of verse 11. Some people have trouble with phrases like this. It says, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. In other words, God will withhold nothing good from us, but let's remember that that is based on God's definition of good and not mine or yours. So where are you headed in life? Friends, the direction we are going right now in life will determine our destination. The direction we're going right now in life is going to determine our destination. So let me ask you some questions about that. Are the priorities in your life right now taking you toward God? Or are they taking you in another direction? How about this one? Is how you spend the most money and time moving you closer to God? Look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, or the highest expenses taking you closer to God. And how about this one? Are your daily choices drawing you more into the presence of God? See, if you're not close to Him, it's not His fault. Where are you headed? I read about a couple several years ago who... Uh, from Great Britain, decided they would fly uh, to Sydney, Australia for a vacation. So they got online to uh, check the price of tickets. We're surprised it seemed cheaper than what they had thought it would be, but they weren't paying much attention because they bought their tickets for Sydney and they were on their way. They boarded a plane at London's Heathrow Airport and in no time landed in Sydney, but they did not realize they had landed in Sydney, Nova Scotia, instead of Sydney, Australia, in other words, Canada. Seems when they were looking it up on the internet, they didn't think to type in the Australia part, they just assumed it. And through a lot of rigmarole, and then Air Canada finally was gracious to them, and they ended up in, eventually in Sydney, Australia, but they had lost precious days of time that they could have had in Sydney, Australia, all because they weren't paying attention to where they were going. In our spiritual lives, the stakes are a whole lot higher. Too many people don't seem to know or care what direction they're going. And someday, they're going to be sorry when they arrive. Do your priorities and your lifestyle and the amount of time you spend with God reflect that you are on your way to, to live with God forever? Or maybe the question at the bottom of the page is the one we really need to ask. Do you enjoy being 
with God. I'm convinced, as we prepare to sing our song where we think about our lives and where we're at, I'm convinced that those who are going to enjoy the Lord's presence the most in heaven are those who have enjoyed the Lord's presence the most here in this life. Let me just repeat that. Those who are going to enjoy the Lord's presence the most in heaven are those who are already enjoying His presence here in this life. So let's commit ourselves to walking with God and walking toward God beginning right now. Because blessed is the person who trusts in Him. I don't know where you are on the journey right now. But each of us has a good idea where we personally are. And that's what our decision time is about every week. Where we're just given a little time during a song to think through what we've heard, what we've sung, what we've prayed, the time around the Lord's table to ask ourselves, where am I really with God? You know, I want to be on the right path. feel like I am, but there's always room for evaluation <laughs> and analyzing priorities and values and convictions and all those things and how much I'm really trusting. So as we sing this song this morning, it's all about priorities. Whether we're going to say there's nothing but Jesus that really matters, because that's what Psalm, 18, Psalm 84 is saying. It's what I've been trying to say. But I hope today we really, as we sing the song, as we recommit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ in our lives, as we commit ourselves to that journey, that destination, and only there, that we'll do whatever we need to do to get on track if we're not. And maybe that's coming to Him for the first time through our faith and through our confession and our repentance, our baptism, submitting our life completely to Him, or even just recommitting to that. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's Word and follow His Son, Jesus Christ.